Okay, everybody, before we begin, I have to go on a little miniature rant about something that happened to me uh, today as I am recording. I am recording on October 5th. This is my episode for October 6th. So full disclosure, I worked a 12-hour shift today and I love my job, but I come home and the thing that has to happen is that I walk my dog and I love my dog. Love my dog love my job. What I don't love is rats. You see, I walk Kenzie. Her last walk of the day is dusk or later. This is prime rat time in Central Park and oh, probably pretty much everywhere in this city. Kenzie, what are you doing? Can you not? Hi, baby. I love you. Sorry. Anyways, so as we are just about to finish our walk, we are turning the last corner to exit Central Park. And I'm keeping an eye because this is a place where along that brick wall there are frequently ratties. And there was a ratty today and Kenzie wanted to eat it, but I was pulling Kenzie away. Now, the mistake here was that I was not paying attention to the wall itself. Because as we came around the wall, around the other way came a rat. And Kenzie was flailing, and then the rat was touching her legs, and then the rat was touching my feet, and I was dancing around, going, so that was my interaction with a rat today. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, hey, everybody, and welcome back to Remember, Remember, That Time I Got Cancer. I'm Erica, your host, and we are moving on to episode seven. So we are going to today talk about something that is pretty common and talked about and displayed. Basically, if there is going to be media about cancer, this is going to be involved in some way. And I am, in fact, talking about hair loss. Hair loss was one of the things that I was most upset about initially when I was told that, yes, the tumor was cancerous and I would require chemo. I remember after the initial shock and crying and being generally upset at having to leave my life in England, mom and I went to a pizza express and I just remember thinking, I don't want to lose my hair. Who am I going to be without hair? Who am I going to be if I'm bald? This was something that really concerned me because this was a time in my life. And I'll admit, I fall back into this trap even now that my hair was a, a signal of my femininity. And at times, especially when I was feeling so overweight and just foreign in my own skin, sometimes it was the only signal of my feminine femininity as, as far as I can, was concerned. So the idea of losing that really stressed me out. But that being said, my hair had already been sort of thinning for a long time. And there was a time in my life that I hoped it was the fact that I had cancer that made me feel like I was losing so much hair. My hair falls out in a way that I would compare to people who have really thick hair. I lose that amount of hair every day, but my hair is not thick. My hair is really fine. And every day it feels like there's less and less of it. I don't know if that's really true, but I've certainly been in a phase even in the last couple of weeks where I really feel like I am just shedding hair. So 
this idea that I was going to lose all my hair, even though I wasn't in love with my hair, I had recently decided I was going to stop dyeing my hair red and had it dyed back to a shade of brown that might have been close to my natural hair color. Though looking back now, I think it was probably too dark. I was just sort of nervous about it. But as the time grew closer, I sort of started saying, you know what, it's fine, but I'm not going to shave it off. A lot of people, rather than watching their hair fall out little by little, they decide that they're going to just shave it all off and then it's already done and over and dealt with. And they don't have to sort of deal with the slow creeping trauma of it falling out uh, in the shower or, you know, waking up with clumps of hair on the pillow. But I decide, no, I don't think that's going to be all that traumatic and I'm not shaving it off. I just was not ready to do that. My hair loss started in a really weird way. I went in to have my port put in. Uh, When someone is going in for chemo or are going to have another regular medical treatment that would be intravenous, so like an IV treatment, rather than put your, for example, arm veins through that much stress, particularly with chemo being so toxic and bad for your veins, they want to put it directly into a much larger vein, which will be able to sort of take that damage. And also they won't have to prick you every time. Well, they will, but they won't have to search for a vein. So what they do And this is something that despite the fact that Rachel finds medical oddities interesting, this totally grossed her out. And I was like, this of all things weirds you out. But they they put in a port and the port was this small device that was under under my chest, really under near my collarbone. And then the device was threaded up a vein towards the neck and then back down directly towards the heart. So this allows the blood to be dispersed not just the blood, but the, the, whatever they're giving you, uh, it allows it to be dispersed really effectively. So as I'm getting ready to have the port put in, it is typical that they give patients a pre-dose of antibiotics. It's just to protect you from picking up anything in the procedure. And they give me an antibiotic called vancomycin. This is a a typical thing. They warn me going in that the Vanco causes or can cause a side effect known as red man syndrome. Basically what red man syndrome is, is it makes people red and sometimes makes them quite itchy, similar to an allergic reaction. It is worth saying I now list vancomycin as an allergy on my medical forms because I will never let anyone give me that antibiotic again. They can give me gentamicin. I respond very well to gentamicin. It doesn't even make me woozy. But they give me the Venko, and pretty quickly, I don't just go red, and I don't just go itchy, but my anxiety starts to spike, and my heart starts to pound. And then I run a hand through my hair, and it just starts coming out in clumps. I believe I was in the bathroom at this point and I was starting to freak out a little because this shouldn't have been happening yet. I wasn't even on the chemotherapy drugs and somehow my hair was already just clumping out of my head. And I remember I kept the hair in my hand and I went back out to the waiting area, not really the waiting area, but I was in my own sort of like curtained off hospital bed area waiting for my procedure. And I go back and I show my mom this clump of hair that has fallen out. My pulse is racing. I'm clearly panicking. They wind up giving me both lorazepam 
and Benadryl intravenously. Both of these things have properties which can make you very fatigued, particularly when given intravenously. And I'm sort of already starting to zonk out. The story continues from there, but that's sort of, we're talking about hair loss today. I'll talk more about my interesting experience having my port put in and removed another day. At any rate, that was when the hair started falling out. And then week one of chemo. So I start having my chemo treatments and day one is not a big deal. And well, it's a big deal, but in terms of hair loss, nothing really had changed. I think the same for day two and three, but by that weekend, my scalp was starting to hurt. Nobody tells you when you're going in for chemo, when you have cancer, that the hair loss is physically painful. And they tell you that you don't have your, that your hair doesn't have nerve endings. And that's true and all well and good. But as the follicles start to, for lack of a better word, die, though, I guess it can't really be death because they come back. It starts to really hurt. The weight of the hair hurts. And I, I realized that if I could just get some of the weight off, it was going to relieve the pain. So I, I call the salon where I had been going most of my life. I call the hairdresser, the, the, the main person who's been cutting my hair most of my life. And I ask if she can squeeze me in that it won't take long, but that I need her to, to buzz my hair. And I don't recall at this point that she thought anything of it, but she was able to squeeze me in. And as I arrived, she asked what we were doing. And I said, no, really, I, I need you to buzz my hair. I need it shaved off. And it didn't occur to me that she didn't already know. I knew that a lot of my community already knew because my parents have always been very involved in the community. We come from a small town. And so I knew by the time this was happening that a lot of people already knew. And because we've known this hairdresser so long, it just didn't occur to me that she didn't already know what was going on. So I had to explain and she looked really taken aback and mom was pretty emotional and I was just trying to treat this like business. I was doing this not because there was any real trauma or panic, but because I was physically in pain and it needed to be done. And they get me into the chair and I glance over at mom and she's starting to cry. And I said, I need you to keep it together or you need to leave. I remember saying that pretty tongue in cheekly. But I knew that the fact that I was going through all of this was not easy for her uh, or my dad either. And I was trying to be funny, I think, when I said, if you can't do this, then I need you to go. And then I, I just made a point not to look at her because if I looked at her and saw her crying and, and feeling that sadness, I thought that I was going to feel sad. I didn't want to be a source of pain, but there wasn't really much I could do about it. And as my hairdresser got started and was starting to shave off all of my hair, I looked up and saw her looking at my mom and she and the hairdresser now looked like she was struggling. And I just said, I need you two to keep it together. <laughs> Here I am. I'm the one losing my hair. And these two are, are the ones being emotional. But it is, I guess it's sort of nice. You know, you don't want to have to suffer alone or whatever. What was a little inconvenient was that my hairdresser convinced me to leave 
I think like half an inch of hair with the idea being, you know, whatever doesn't fall out, you'll already have a good start at regrowth. When you lose your hair to chemo, it basically all falls out. (laughs) But I was really into this idea of, oh, keep a little bit of hair. It's going to be great. And actually, both when the hair was, you know, half an inch long and when it was nothing, I looked awesome. Rachel and I called it my my warrior princess aesthetic. I wore sort of these big earrings and I wore purple lipstick and I just was standing real strong in my non-traditional feminine power. But having my hair shaved that first time was not the end of my hair loss journey. I was home alone. Both of my parents must have been at work on a, it wasn't a chemo day, but I got into the shower and I was washing my hair and I washed what was left of my hair very rarely because I thought if I didn't wash it, it wouldn't fall out. But I washed it and I could feel it as I was shampooing. I just felt it sloughing off. It was the worst feeling in the whole world. I was so glad my hair wasn't long. Well, I was glad afterwards that my hair wasn't long. The only thing I was experiencing in that moment was panic and horror because I knew that what was coming off was my hair, but there was something that felt like my skin and maybe my entire being was sloughing off in my hands. And I sort of in a panic got out of the shower. I could already see hair in the tub. I was crying. I picked up Kenzie, who was this tiny, tiny puppy at the time. And I called Rachel and I said, Rachel, I need you to come over right now because I need you to shave my head. I cannot do it because I cannot look at myself. And God love her, but I called her and she came. I did look at myself very briefly as she started and it was every bit as bad as I thought. I looked like Frankenstein's monster or like a half rotted zombie. I'm I probably did not look as bad as I felt, but I seeing the hair just like wiped off in chunks and it, it was so bad. (laughs) That was one of the low moments in terms of what I was experiencing, but a high moment in that I knew exactly how much my best friend loved me and that she dropped whatever she was doing and came over to to shave my head and to sit with me as I sort of dealt with the fact that I was now totally bald. The other thing they don't tell you as much, they tell people some, I guess, is that your eyebrows and eyelashes also fall off. And so I had stopped wearing eye makeup because I was trying not to touch the area around my eyes, but there's nothing you can really do to to prevent this loss. I had really good eyebrows before chemo. They were really full. They were quite wide, so there was a lot of shaping that could be done and they all fell out. I attended a uh, the American Cancer Society does a program where they they connect cancer patients to um they give them these kits of really high-end makeup. It's You know, I received Estee Lauder face cream and Smashbox eyeliner, uh, gel eyeliner. It was really nice, just really nice stuff. 
and they teach you how to use it. They even teach you how to draw on your eyebrows. Um, I used a little bit of the benefit brow bar technique to sort of find those points to build your arch and then I could fill in. So I got pretty good at drawing on my eyebrows to an acceptable level. And sometimes that was the only makeup I did because I did not like my face without eyebrows. But my eyebrows never grew in quite the same after chemo. And that has been something that's bothered me for a long time. They are still pretty full, but they don't grow out as wide as they used to, or they only grow out, you know, a couple of hairs. And so there's not as much that can be done. But I, last time I had my brows done, it was the first time getting my brows done since the pandemic hit. It felt really luxurious to have like definition in the eyebrow region. I had them tint the eyebrows and she held the mirror up for me. And I actually, my eyes welled up with tears and I, I had to apologize. I said, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm a cancer survivor and my eyebrows haven't looked this good since chemo. And she said, this has been such a day for me because I was her third cancer survivor that day. It's a weird community, I guess. It's a club none of us asked to join, but when someone can take us back and make us feel the way we did before chemo, that's really special. Hey folks, thanks so much for listening and sorry about the audio quality today. I didn't do enough testing, didn't realize until I was editing the shape of the audio and I wasn't going to go back and re-record because it's late and I have to work very early tomorrow. One bit of business before I go, I would really like to do an Ask Me Anything. So if there's any questions you have about my cancer, chemo journey, or whatever, you can send those to my email. That's Erica Lee Conklin at gmail.com. Erica spelled E-R-I-C-K-A, Lee, L-E-E, Conklin, C-O-N-K-L-I-N at gmail.com. Thanks as always to Julius H. This is their song Beltane from Pixabay. Now, before I go, don't forget, support single-payer healthcare, go get your damn vaccines, COVID-19 is real, and thanks to the NHS for supporting my continued existence. See you tomorrow.